0: Welcome to the Texas News Podcast, where we dive into all things Texas politics and the future of independence in the state of Texas. On today's show, we're going to discuss how the Texas GOP rejected 139,456 petition signatures that were submitted to them to put Texas on the ballot this March. And in the process, screwed the voters of Texas. We're also going to discuss exactly how we're going to fight back and how you can help. So don't go anywhere. Well, look, folks, uh, so glad you could join us for the Texas News Podcast, and it is going to be a bit of a zinger today. So uh, I'm going to suggest that you grab a cup of coffee or the beverage of your choice uh, and buckle in because it's going to be a bit of a bumpy ride uh, because we're going to discuss exactly what's happening with the Texas petition uh, uh, we're going to break down uh, w- what is happening right now with the Texas GOP, and we're going to talk about how we're fighting for you. Uh, whether you signed the petition, didn't sign the petition, if you want a vote on Texas, we're going to talk about uh, exactly how the TNM is going to go to war for you. And, and it's going to be um, I, I got to tell you when, when you when you hear this saga, you will understand why we fight so hard and, and it will make a lot of sense that the times that you previously have heard me say that we have to fight twice as hard for half as much. So, um, I, you know, I, I think it's important for those joining the podcast, listening, perhaps for the first time, or perhaps to, uh, you know, the, the people from the Texas GOP leadership, uh, that are tuning in to get a sneak peek, um, buckle up buttercup because, uh, I'm about to give it to you with both barrels. So for those, uh, that don't know what this text petition is, what it's all about, just briefly, let, let me explain it before I just direct you to previous, uh, podcasts or to the TNM website. Uh, essentially what we have here with this petition, just a recap is Texas is not what they call an INR state. We do not have true citizen initiative here like many other states do. There is one narrow exception. In the Texas Election Code, 172.088 allows voters by petition to place a question on a party's primary ballot, something that political parties do every two years for the election. They actually put their own ballot propositions on there. Uh, and but but what this does is it allows voters, right? It allows the people to put a question on the ballot. So let's say the party leadership, we'll we'll speak of a hypothetical party here. Oh, I don't know, the Republican Party of Texas. Uh, let's say that they fail, right? Let's say that they fail to listen to the voice of voters in their party, and they fail to put a question on the ballot themselves. Well this statute gives a mechanism for texas voters to go by petition and place that question on the ballot themselves and i gotta tell you it is a high bar right you'll you'll hear people that criticize uh the the petition effort and and how many signatures we have to get and think it's a piece of cake they have absolutely no idea what what they're talking about it is an extremely high bar and i'm gonna actually, uh, when I, uh, get a little bit later, uh, in this podcast, I'm going to give you some perspective. Uh, and, and, and it comes from a court filing, a, a federal court case dealing specifically with petitioning in Texas. And so stay tuned for that context. You're not going to want to miss it, but, but I want you to understand this, this provision in the Texas election code It was added in 1985 and has never, ever, ever been used. Not once. Uh, In fact, you will, uh, if you've kept up with the TNM for any length of time, you will know that this was indeed our fourth attempt to get the Texick question on the primary ballot. Okay. So, Uh, we did it three times before, uh, we, we increased our numbers every single solitary time and and it was, it's a difficult process, right? This is not some petition like, you know, I'm trying to get local option for liquor in my County, or, you know, I want to, I want to get, um, you know, something on the ballot, uh, for my municipality, right? The, the, the standards for this are exceedingly high. Okay. So you know I, I think it's important for people to understand that uh, across every measure of this petition campaign, this one here that we're talking about today, we are making history, whether it is the the fact that no one has ever um attempted uh much less successfully to use one seven two dot oh eight eight or the the various means, methods, and modalities that we used. To go out there and get this thing done. This is history making across every single solitary measure. Okay. So, uh, you know, good on us yet again, we make history, right? Much like when we got two planks on the Republican party platform calling for a Texas vote, much like the fact that we got the Texas independence referendum act filed twice, right? Everything we are doing right now is, is I mean it just it's just history making. There's no other way to describe it and it's not hyperbolic to say that. I mean these things are in effect earth shattering and look that's a part of you and and the organization. To go out there and and do these things that actually make it in the history books and and guys I think we're getting ready to to do it again related to this petition because while the political establishment may be dancing on the graves uh, of the petition signers. We're not done yet, right? So l- let me just kind of go through where, where we are, kind of, or, or how we ended up or got to this point where, where we are right now. So the, the petition itself, by statute, requires 97,709 signatures to place the question on the ballot. And the question we want to ask Texas voters is should the state of Texas reassert its status as an independent nation? Those of you who've been following us, you understand that that's actually the language that's in the Texas Independence Referendum Act, right? That is the question we want put to voters. And we understand this is an advisory vote only. It is a party's ballot proposition. But it is important nonetheless to push this issue forward, something the political establishment doesn't want. So when we launched the campaign back in June, there's a 180 day window by statute to make this thing happen. You got to collect all the signatures in 180 days. And by the time it was all over with, we collected not just 97,709, but actually collected a total of 170,097 signatures. Now, to show you that our standards were high, we didn't just throw any slop at this that we could get. We actually rejected over 30,000 of those signatures, right? 30,426 were rejected as being technically deficient. And, And what that means is, is that they did not meet some criteria for the information that was required to be on the petition. For example, uh, we could not verify that that was the county that they lived in or they left the county off or, you know, they left off some required piece of information. We literally had people sign a petition uh, that or fill out the information on a petition uh, and forget to sign it or they signed the petition but didn't give any other information. So we had to reject those. We, we went before we even submitted the signatures and called out 30,426 of them. And then after, you know, after someone signed, they could contact us and we removed them. And we had 215 of those requests that we honored. And, and again, statutorily, we were not required to do that. By statute, we were not required to honor removal requests, right? By statute, that had to go to the party. That had to go to the chairman. And they had a certain amount of time to do that. But instead of just sending people over there, and saying, hey, you know, we're jerks, we got your signature, and, and it's ours now, so you got to go through these hoops. We honored those requests, and, and literally pulled them out. So yet again, just, and I'm setting the tone here so you guys understand, that, that we exceeded the requirements, okay? Uh, but what that left was, the number you heard me mention at the very beginning of this, 139,000 four hundred and fifty six signatures that we in turn hand delivered to the Republican Party of Texas on December the 11th uh, at twelve oh five p.m. And I say that not to be just overly specific, but understand as we move forward and we talk about the rationale behind Chairman Matt Rinaldi's rejection of this petition, that time. And that date is going to be very, very important. But it's important to also understand that we submitted 33,619 signatures above the statutory minimum, right? That's 42.75% above the statutory minimum. So the statute called for 97,709 and we blew it out of the water. Uh, I mean, it's, is it a shock? No, it's not a shock at all. But we actually told them that we were going to do this, right? I had a meeting with Chairman Matt Rinaldi on uh, the day before the State Republican Executive Committee meeting in December, told him that we were going to be bringing the petitions in. I told him we would be there on December the 11th uh, to, to bring them. And we told them at the SREC meeting that we would be bringing the petitions in. Uh, and we did it and there's video, you can go to the website, you can see the video, you can see the article. I mean, we made sure to document everything. Okay. So understand that December the 11th, we delivered those petition signatures and, and granted they had, we gave them some days, we gave them time. We understand that it is a big pill to swallow. You know, here are 100, nearly 140,000 petition signatures calling for this. We know that the RPT has a, a, a duty under law to, to do the things that they do. The chairman has to look at it. He can verify every single one of them. He can verify them by sample. He could just take the, the statements at face value. But after a while, time rocked on a bit, and we heard nothing absolutely nothing. And so uh, I reached out the the next week on the, uh, the 18th or 19th, and I spoke with the executive director of the Republican Party of Texas, Jen Hall, and specifically asked, I said, look, I, I'm getting asked. It's been a while. You know, wh- where are we at in this process? And her statement to me was that, well, they were waiting to hear back from the secretary of state. But then time kept going, tick tock, and we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and we know that by law, they have to do it immediately. They got to they let us know, right? According to law, it's something they've got to do immediately. But we gave them plenty of time because we understood the, the potential difficulties With getting this done, we understood that it it may take some time. But, you know, at some point, patience ceases to be a virtue. That's funny because I think that's Texas Declaration of Independence and uh, the one written by Thomas Jefferson as well. But at some point, patience ceases to be a virtue. And it became evident to us that really what they were trying to do was run out the clock, right? Because if they reject or if they come back with an answer, some sort of defect, whatever it is, for us to be able to litigate, which we've always said we would, if they push back on this thing, uh, knowing all the hoops that we jump through to get this thing done, we would see them in court. We knew they were trying to run out the clock. So the t ms board of directors met and passed a resolution to, uh, to essentially authorize legal action, right? We were ready to go to court to force them to do what they were supposed to do. And it wasn't too long after that that uh, when we said that we were poised for action, when we released the news that we were getting ready to sue, here comes the letter from the Texas GOP, but not to me, right? Not to the Texas Nationalist Movement. Instead, what you get is a letter, an open letter, from Chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, Matt Rinaldi, that is an, that's an titled, An Open Letter to the Texas Nationalist Movement, which was never sent to the Texas Nationalist Movement. It, it actually was never sent to the TNM, right? Right? Instead, how do we find out about this? Well, we find out about it on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it because, as apparently the bad dealers that they are, they decided that the, the best place to give notice would be to a reporter, right? They leaked it to Brad Johnson or sent it to, I'm not going to say leaked but they sent it to Brad Johnson over at the Texan, which, um, you know, don't, don't get confused with the big Texan up in Amarillo where they have the 72-ounce steak challenge, right? This is a, a media outlet. But they sent it to Brad Johnson. And so I had to find out around, I don't know, 9.30, 9 or 9.30, that night on Twitter, of all places. And so I go, look in my t and m email, I got nothing, absolutely nothing. But I eventually find that they had sent it to two email addresses. The first one was the email address that was associated with my campaign website from my twenty twelve run from state representative for state representative, uh which by the way. Is no longer active, right? So it wouldn't have gotten to me. But I don't know uh, who, whose bright idea that was over there. And then the second one was my business address, my business email address, which you know, again, it's after hours. Um, why why would anything go there, right? Why there? I never gave them that email address, not that I know of, right? I definitely didn't do it in connection with the petition. But that's where they sent it, and they thought that would be cool. Which I, I think as we get through this, you're going to understand the lack of professionalism from the Republican Party of Texas. And, and it's such that it almost feels purposeful and an insult to Texas supporters. Uh I I I can't I can't see any other explanation for the sort of level of incompetence other than as an intentional insult. But I mean, it's possible, right? Sometimes people can just be, just be dumb. I mean, that's just possible or unprofessional, but attached to that email and the open letter to the Texas nationalist movement, which was never sent to the Texas nationalist movement, chairman Matt Rinaldi laid out his two, he basically, he stated that he was rejecting the petition and he cited two things, two reasons why he was rejecting the petition. And and I got to tell you, one of these reasons we sort of expected to, to have a conversation about, we didn't expect a rejection over it, but we decided, you know, we expected that we were going to have to wrangle. But the other one was just so absolutely stupid that, I mean, it's rare. Like, you're going to rarely hear me get on a podcast or speak in public or anywhere else where I say, you know, that surprises me. I mean, you got to think. I've been at this since 1996. I've seen a lot of stuff. And so w- when I say that I was surprised by actually what he led off with and, and literally the, the stupidity behind it, how weak uh, of an argument it was I, I was, I was stunned. I just don't know any other way to say it. And and when I lay it out for you, I think you're going to be as stunned as I was. <clears throat> now, let, let's tackle that one first, right? So Rinaldi says, he makes the argument that the petition was not timely filed. He correctly asserts that we delivered the petition on December the 11th at 12.05, right? We We actually have a a signed piece of paper from Jen Hall that they received it. There's video where we rolled in. There's pictures. There's all those things. I mean, it was no secret. But he makes the argument that even though that was the, the deadline was not until the deadline for candidate filing and petitions for candidate filing was December the 11th at 6 p.m., he makes the argument that we did not file, we did not submit the petition on time. Instead, this is what he says. He says that the statute claims that they must be uh, delivered, petitions under 172.088, before the date of the filing deadline. So get ready. We're going to parse some legalese for you you so everyone understands what we're dealing with. Rinaldi's assertion is that the filing deadline is December the 11th and that we had to have it delivered before December the 11th, which would have been, the last day would have been December the 10th. That's his argument. Now, understand that no part of the code whatsoever countenances a shadow filing date, a date before, and particularly a day when the Texas GOP office where you would have to deliver it is closed. And they were closed. That was a Sunday. What he conveniently forgets to mention is that the deadline is December the 11th at 6 p.m. and that in law if a date includes a statutorily if a date includes month day year and time then time is part of the date that it the whole thing constitutes the date so he makes this weird argument that there are somehow two different filing deadlines, one on December the 11th at time unspecified, and on December the 10th, which is mentioned absolutely nowhere in statute, completely flies in the face of, of all law and all precedent and all statute. I mean, it is the stupidest argument you could possibly make. I mean, even year one law school students know that time is part of the date if it is specified. And so, literally, the, the plain reading, the, the legal reading, every way that you could look at what the statute says is that if you get it in before the filing deadline, it counts. And that filing deadline is December the 11th at 6 p.m., which we beat by six hours. But this is what he decides to lead with. I mean, it's literally the thing that he leads with is perhaps one of the absolute weakest arguments that you could possibly make i mean it 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 goes when we go to litigate this right which you know i got a chance to review the the filing last night and and it is beautiful i mean it's beautiful um but when we go to litigate this that is the thing that dies the quickest and, and i can imagine because every attorney that that we have shown this to is looking at that and looking at the statue and going, "What in the world was he thinking? Just what? What, what was the, like? What is the purpose? I mean, it's such a pathetically weak and unfounded argument that it really had no place." And and I go back to what I said earlier, which is, it it just feels insulting. And, and I'm going to tell you, if it was for for the uh, purpose of swaying public opinion, right, to basically kind of bolster people that will pump him up and, and make him feel good about rejecting this petition. Mission accomplished, right? Those people are tap dancing around talking about how we missed the deadline. It's like, read the statute. Do you understand what the statute is? Do you realize the stupidity involved in making that argument? Because honestly, if they did, I don't think they would be out there crowing it so much. There is no way in the world that statute, that the Texas Electrical countenances a specified deadline and some shadow deadline that was pulled out of the ether. I mean, there's just not. That's just not the way that it works. It's not the way that it works in the basis of law. It's not the way that it uh, operates in, in, in legal precedent, right? And let's be honest, it fails the common sense test. Now, granted, sometimes laws often fail the common sense test, but when you fail all three, and that's your leadoff, unbelievable. So the second rationale right the one that that we suspected there there might be some some issues right that there, we may have to have some conversations over this was our submission and use of electronic signatures right and and let me clarify it's not necessarily electronic signatures but digital signatures and there is an important distinction that I will attempt to make in our time together today but understand that we knew what the law said. We knew what the Uniform Electronic Transactions Act said. And we knew what the Texas election code said. And we also knew that there was a court case that was in the process of of essentially deciding this. And frankly, the state of Texas wound up on the losing end of it. But no spoilers, I'm getting there. So you know, we consulted with attorneys. We did everything before we launched the petition campaign. So look, we're going to do this. We're going to do this electronically. Uh, And, and again, I will tell you, give you the rationale behind that here, here in a bit, but the, uh, the rejection, because that's what I'm covering right now is Rinaldi's rejection. I, I think it's, I think it's very important here to really just kind of talk about that because he cites the the part of the code in the Texas election code that says now he does not talk about any other technical defect in the petitions, right? So what that essentially means is everything covers, everything's covered by law, right? Everything on those petition forms is covered by law. So every element was there, but he cites this, this piece of the law that says, this is what it says, it says that the only part of a petition signature, the only information that has to be in the signer's own hand is the signature. Okay, now it doesn't specify that it has to be in pen or pencil, doesn't specify what it has to look like, right? It could be an X, it could be squiggles, you could write your name in cursive, you could write it in block letters, But it says it it is essentially establishing that the person who is signing the petition must indicate that they are the ones who are doing it. It it essentially establishes this act of volition. Now, previous guidance from the Secretary of State's office suggested that they had to be wet signatures, a.k.a. pen on paper. But that's not what the statute says. It's not what the statute says at all just says it has to be in their own handwriting, a.k.a. they have to be the ones to make the mark, which means the petition circulators can fill out all the other information for the person, but it has to be the actual signer who makes their mark on the petition, okay? And, and to bolster his opinion, he places a link to a PowerPoint presentation on the Secretary of State's website showing that same guidance that I talked about a moment ago about wet signatures. But you see, there's one major problem with his assertion. And his major problem is a law that was passed uh, many, many sessions ago, right? The last update to it was 2007. It went into effect 2009. And it's called the Uniform Electronic Transactions Act right? And it essentially synchronized Texas law with the rest of the states in the United States in relation to electronic transactions and and the legality of electronically signed contracts. So I want you to think for a moment when you go to a website, you fill out a form and you check a box that I agree. That is by definition under the Uniform Electronic Transactions Act, a, a Legally binding thing, right? I mean, it, it you're you're bound to the terms of that. But then elevate it a little bit more, and think about when you ha- when you do banking, and they provide a form, and you have to go on, and you have to use your finger or your mouse, or you know one of their little drop downs to sign your name to a legal document. That's also covered in the Uniform Electronic Transactions Act, and. The one with the checkbox or any mark whatsoever, that is, by de- definition, an electronic signature. And anything that that sort of exceeds that, which is encrypted signatures, there's a whole sort of technical uh, definition for digital signatures. That's what it's called. It's a digital signature. And there there is a difference. Although both are covered, there is a difference between the two. Electronic signatures are a little less Formal and digital signatures are elevated, and so it's it's again it's important for us to to remember these things. And and I'm trying to not get overly complex here, but I think you guys can handle it, right? Because as I as I show you and completely dismantle his argument, um, it's going to be important that you know these things. Okay, so. The link that he placed to the Secretary of State guidance on the thing was quite interesting because the link didn't work. You go to that link and you click on it and it goes to a place that says page not found. It's not there anymore. But what's interesting about it is it was on the Secretary of State's website until Rinaldi's letter dropped. So you have to ask yourself, why in the world would that be there? Why, why would the Secretary of State go pull that from their website? Right? Why would this prompt them to pull it from their website? Well, a couple of reasons, right? If you go to the TNM News site, you're going to find an article on there where I, I ponder whether or not the, the Texas GOP violated the law in rejecting the petition signatures, right? And in there, I cite various uh, statutes about the applicability of the Uniform Electronic Transactions Act, which, by the way, some people who are opposed to that reading of it look at it and say, well, that just applies to the Business and Commerce Code. Well, that's not true at all. It's very clear in the Uniform Electronic Transactions Act, that the scope of it also includes governmental transactions. Governmental actions are included in the scope and definition of a transaction. And when you read the Uniform Electronic Transactions Act, the law is very clear. It says, if a law requires a signature, an electronic signature satisfies the law. There's no other way to read it. Uniform Electronic Transactions Act as very few exceptions, and it specifies them, including it cannot be used for wills and codicils and things of that nature. There are some things that, that the electronic or digital signatures cannot be used for. But the, Texas, the the things in the Texas Election Code are not one of them. There are some exceptions right, that that are specified in other places. For example, you cannot use a digital signature on a voter registration. That's very specific, right? So the carve-outs for this are very specific, and there is not an explicit um, prohibition against it. And so therefore, that law in the Uniform Electronic Transactions Act is the law. If a law requires a signature an electronic signature satisfies the law. There are not two ways to read that. That is not open to interpretation. That is the law. The scope of the statute establishes that it applies everywhere except in these specific places, right? So, I mean, it's abundantly clear. And, and, And so you take these two the date and the electronic signatures, and you realize they're grasping at straws. But, you know, somebody could go out there and make a case. They could try to make a case specifically why the electronic signatures shouldn't be allowed. Make that case, right? But the law is the law. And if you don't like the law, I just offer you the same advice that you offer people like us all the time. If you don't like the law, change the law. I mean, let's be honest. It's not like the Texas legislature is shy about passing laws you know except the ones that we really want right like secure the border you know give us a vote on tax it I mean you know any of those things but it's unbelievable because even you know when you when you look at those two together it's absolutely and utterly ridiculous and and I go to our requirement because I think it's super important you know what I said a moment ago that You know, when we pulled those 215 people off and they requested, we exceeded standards. And I threw out there this differentiation between electronic signatures and digital signatures. I want you to understand that before we ever launched this petition campaign, we wanted it to be above reproach, right? We didn't want to just meet the minimums or meet the standards, we wanted to exceed the standards. Because we did not want this to be brought into question. We didn't want them to have an opportunity to deny you your right. Now, when we launched the petition campaign, it's still a Byzantine method. You still have to do a lot of ridiculous things because of the way the statute's written. But we knew that we wanted to exceed the minimum number of required signatures. And when we launched the electronic uh, aspect of this, we wanted to be sure that those signatures were above reproach. You know, we wanted to be very public when we came in. We came in six hours before the the end of the filing deadline. We did everything right. We did it by the book, and then we did more than that, right? we wanted to be sure that they had no legitimate excuse or rationale to deny you your voice on the future of Texas. But yet again, you know, they, they don't surprise. I mean, uh, I definitely, I definitely want uh, Matt Rinaldi and the Texas GOP to uh, arrange my funeral so they can let me down one more time. But I I want to just concentrate one last thing on the e-signatures before I get to really kind of the bombshell about it, right? When I say that we exceeded standard when I say that we exceeded the standard, uh that that is not uh an understatement, okay? Because if you will notice the the if you will notice the requirement it says if an electronic signature, if a signature is required by law, the electronic signature requi- uh, uh, satisfies the law. But we didn't want to just do electronic signatures, right? It's not as simple as having somebody fill in some information and tick a couple of boxes, right? We had to meet every aspect of this, and so what we did in our online petitioning in the dig- in the digital petitioning was we implemented a piece of software that's used by companies like PayPal, right, for signing contracts for financial transactions, uh private organizations for contracts like Habitat for Humanity, right? Another another large one that that has a lot of legal things and and, and even like the NBA uses the same software. We pulled out the stops. This was not some roll your own, you know, we developed it in-house. I mean, you know, we had to assemble it all together and make it all work, but at the core of it was software that meets every single standard for the Uniform Electronic Transactions Act, uh the federal version of it as well. It's even, you know, it's even GDPR compliant, which doesn't matter for us because we're not in the EU, but I'm telling you that it meets every single solitary standard. So we were collecting digital petition signatures by law, which the signatures are encrypted, right? I mean, that's a requirement for it to be a digital signature. Uh, I mean, it, it, just every aspect of what we did exceeded the requirements, okay? So, I want you to think about in your life right now, in every aspect of your life, where, um, you know, since the UETA has was passed, where you use digital signatures. Think about when you have DocuSign or any of those things. The argument that they are making is that it's good enough for you to you know, purchase property or engage in financial transactions or any of those things, but not to say to a political party that you want to be able to vote on a question in March. Even if the, the law says that your digital signature is good, and even if there is no law prohibiting it, that what you do to get through the average day in the life of a Texan of the 21st century does not matter. That, guys, I mean, to me, while the date issue surprised me, the ridiculousness of this article in the face of all reason, all law, all statute, and frankly, the political implications that come about in denying a voice to nearly 140,000 Republican voters, um, it just, I think maybe the whole thing is is kind of stunning, right? But again, uh, if, if I'm expected to be disappointed, it, it is going to be the political establishment that does it. And that's what it is. Look, people could say all day long that Matt Rinaldi is not establishment but this is an establishment move. Maybe it's a different establishment, but it's an establishment move, right? So I get to the final thing about the digital signatures, and I will tie this back to probably why the Secretary of State pulled their link. Because in my response, um, there is a, a short one that I sent back immediately giving them 24 hours to correct their mistake, and then there's a much larger narrative on this with actual statutes and things of that nature on the TNM website that you can go read. But one of the things that I think was probably why the Secretary of State pulled that link cited by Rinaldi from their letter is that in uh, on June 26th of this year, there was a court decision uh, from the United States District Court in the Western District uh, in federal court in a case called Miller versus Nelson. And I want to talk about this case because it's super important. It was already in play when we were planning the petition campaign, but I think by the point we were getting ready to launch, we kind of already saw where this was headed. But I want to explain a little bit about this case because I think it's going to provide you guys some some really solid context and, frankly, potentially the death blow to what the RPT did and serve as a canary in the coal mine, an indication of where this is likely to head in litigation. So uh, there were, and, and I think this case was originally filed in uh, 2019, but you had several defendants who were you know running as in wanted to run as independent candidates you had uh some of the what they call the minor parties uh in Texas you had the America's Party of Texas Constitution Party of Texas Green Party of Texas Libertarian Party of Texas all joined together and sue the secretary of state really the the state of Texas but you know the defendant was Jane Nelson as Secretary of State of the state of Texas, um, but they there was a, a lawsuit, and essentially the argument in the lawsuit was, and, th- and there were many factors, but the argument in the lawsuit was that there are two standards of law for elections here in Texas, okay? So you have the two major parties that uh, essentially have ballot access by virtue of their longevity, they they meet certain criteria, and if you want to file to run as a candidate in one of those parties, you go to the party, you pay your money, uh, and then you get on the ballot. Also, you can do it by petition because that's kind of where this whole issue for us came up. But you can file what's called a petition in lieu of a filing fee, okay? But you basically go pay your money, and, and it's and it's not much right? I think when I ran for state rep in 2012, it was like 750 bucks, maybe. When I ran for lieutenant governor last cycle, I think it was a little over 3000 bucks, whatever it was, but you, you basically, you pay that money and you get on the ballot. And so what these plaintiffs argued in this case was that the Texas election code established these two different sets of laws because there is no mechanism in law for independent candidates or these minor parties to get ballot access just by paying money. You can't get on the ballot and just pay money. Instead, the Texas election code places up on these folks, anyone who wants to run that way, the burden of going and getting petition signatures. And you know, while those petition signatures are kind of you know the the minimums are kind of small like if you look at to run for state senate or state rep um, it it is a percentage of the votes cast in that particular place right Um, and this is for the primaries right I'm not talking specifically about them but that threshold can be kind of low but when you're talking about a statewide campaign it's a very very different story and at the time the suit was filed um, I think the statewide requirement to get on the ballot as uh, one of these candidates was like in excess of a hundred thousand signatures. I think it was, you know, not, uh, I think it, somewhere in that ballpark, right? Because they, instead of counting just the primary votes for this to get these guys on the general election ballot, they count the total votes cast in the general election for governor and that they take a percentage of that. So I think it was like 106,000. So you had Winnie um who who argued, and she talked about it in in, um, in an article in the Texas Tribune. When all of this case shook down, she sought it specifically, and I think it was like like a, it's like a hundred and three hundred six. I can't remember, but that's not important. But what she said was, "Look, we got a problem here, and, and the problem is, and the reason that, and this is a paraphrase, why we went to court." Is that there are two standards? Republicans and Democrats can pay a fee to get on the ballot, but for us to get on the ballot to get these independent candidates or to you know get on a statewide ballot, we have to spend upwards of six hundred thousand dollars to collect the petition signatures that will hopefully get us on the ballot, and that's a, that's an unreasonable difference, right? two standards. If you run in the major parties, you, you pay your seven fifty dollars or $3,000 or whatever it is, and then boom, you make it all the way through the process. But if one of these guys wants to get on the ballot, well, all of a sudden now they've got to go out there and spend $600,000, and that may have been the price of 2019. Uh, I know that in the last petition campaign, for us to hit the thresholds, the cost was going to be upwards of $800,000. I know uh, that right now as it stands because stats came out in the middle of our petition campaign that the average cost per petition signature for petition campaigns like this is 12 bucks a signature. So, you know, they're setting this insurmountable burden. Uh, you know, Joe Blow can go over here, run as a Republican, pay his 750 bucks, but if you if you want to go run as an independent, now you got to just pay one about 1.2 million to get on the ballot. I mean, how ridiculous is that? So, that was the, the um, really the, the, the center of this lawsuit, the reason that this lawsuit happened. And so the judge, the judge, in his decision, and this is important, the judge ruled in favor in one instance of the case with the plaintiff's. And here's what this one has to say, right? And, and I, I don't have the, the final decision here, um, but this is what the, the court handed down and essentially said, this is what goes in the order. Defendants are enjoined. That would be the state of Texas, Jane Nelson, the secretary of state. Are enjoined from enforcing against plaintiffs any provision of the Texas Election Code, chapters 141, 142, 162, 181, and 202, insofar as any such provision imposes any unconstitutional burden or contemplates, relies upon, or requires paper nomination petitions or a paper nomination petitioning verification or submission process. Okay. So, uh essentially what you have here is a removal of the paper requirements. A federal court precedent showing that the courts upheld the right of these folks because of the inequity here to submit via digital. So, paper it's not done now some will argue that maybe maybe this is just for these defendants but this establishes the precedent that says that look if we take this all the way this standard applies across the board if we take this and push this they're going to get they're going to get hosed the republican party of texas will lose on this issue because it has already been established in a court by court precedent, that what we said about the Uniform Electronic Transactions Act is legit. The digital signatures are a legitimate method. The court, when it said, hey, look, you know, in its final order, and I think the final order was just slightly different dealing with the the part about any unconstitutional burden, right? I think they they went up striking that language. But when they struck this, this provision and said, look, it doesn't require paper, You're not allowed to require paper. Well, what does that leave? What does that leave? Well, I'm pretty sure the court didn't contemplate stone tablets or cuneiform clay tablets excavated from some Sumerian archaeological site. It's talking about electronic and digital signatures under the Uniform Electronic Transactions Act because if you don't have to use paper, you got to fall back on whatever the law is. And the law right now says if... Any law requires a signature, an electronic signature satisfies the law. Friends, that is the law. That's the law of the land. And so we find ourselves at the realization that we're fighting just another facet of the political establishment right? I mean, we are literally, as we said before, we're always going to have to fight these guys. They always, always, always want to stand between the people and the people having a voice in their future. And so we, we litigate, right? I, I want you guys to understand that when, when we say we're going to do something and we tell you ahead of time that we're going to do it, we're going to do it. We do not make idle threats. And whether it happens in, in a short amount of time or a sort of medium time frame or a longer time frame, we do what we say we're going to do. And, and we promised, we said that if the texas gop plays fast and loose with the rules and denies the voice of the petition signers that we would go to court and friends that is exactly what's happening but but you see it's not even just hey look texas gop tnm we got a a little disagreement here over these things let's go to court let's get this kind of worked out or let's sit down at a table and hash this out no Instead, the choice was to do what Tom Meckler did back in twenty fifteen, and denigrate uh, our people in the T and M Texas supporters that are part of the Republican Party of Texas. A lesson that ha- had to be taught to him. So, you know, a, a, a bit of behavior that we had to dissuade him from. And by the time it was all over with, Tom Meckler was no longer the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas right? So, you know, there, there is a, a way to handle these things. And look, we have dealt with the Republican Party of Texas on this issue in good faith from day one. Day one, we've dealt with them in good faith. And what we have received in return is being treated like trash, like detritus, like the, the people that they're complaining about in the Texas legislature treat uh, voters. Right they don't care about us, they want to hurl insults, and if you don't believe me, go look on social media at what these political establishment hacks are saying about people like you and look whether you're for texit, whether you're against texit, whether you are undecided about texit is irrelevant uh, uh, because what they are effectively saying is that you are too stupid to make a decision on your own, and they're willing to insult your intelligence to get away with it. The the issue with the timely filing. That is an insult to the intelligence of of the average Texan. This idea about the electronic signatures is an affront to the intelligence and the common sense of Texans. They are treating the rule of law like a cafeteria plan. And I think it is absolutely, absolutely not a coincidence that the same time they are over there tap dancing over Rinaldi's stupid letter is they're also on social media tweeting about Colorado and, and Maine's attempts to pull Donald Trump off of the primary ballot. My God, the hypocrisy! I mean I, I you, you just you just wonder if they even read the crap that they put out because I'm going to tell you this letter from Matt Rinaldi could have been flunked by an eighth-grade civic student because it is so ridiculous. And, and so you have to ask yourself, if Rinaldi has been, to some of you out there, such a good guy for so long, why in the world would he do this? And I'm going to tell you, I believe it's because he is afraid that the GOP is going to have to address something that is for them for at least a small portion of them in the leadership, politically uncomfortable. And let's be honest, we live in times where we don't give a crap about their comfort. I mean, we literally just got news that the Biden administration is suing the state of Texas over our new border protection law. And we just got news that there has been a surge over the last month of illegal immigration at the border that's almost twice as much, if not more, than the number of people that just want their voice heard on on independence. And so they play games. They push, they obstruct, but more importantly, they insult. And so I'm going to tell you, I, I am committed to fighting uh, since since that, who am I kidding I've been committed to fighting this issue to move it forward to give Texans their self-government since 1996 and this is no different but but I am going to go and the TNM is going to go and we are going to fight for 139,456 petition signers who put their signature on that petition in the belief that their word, that, that, that the law would be honored, and that their desire to vote on this would be respected. And so, you know, I, I think we're Renaldi, and, and frankly, the Republican Party of Texas is concerned. Much like we had to teach Tom Meckler a lesson in, in 2015 and 2016, um, I think we're going to have to do that again. I think we need to teach the political establishment that all political power is inherent in the people. So as I'm recording this podcast, we are, we are prepping the lawsuit. It's happening and it won't be just one. And if you think it just stops at litigation, for those of you out there, you voyeurs, uh, in the political establishment that love to watch or to listen and find out what we're doing uh, I, I'm just going to send you a, a very clear message right now. Litigation won't be the end of it. Just one suit over this petition won't be the end of it. We are going to we are going to fight to force the Texas GOP to honor the code and to put this question on the ballot in March 2024. But that is not the end of it. Not by any stretch of the imagination. If you think that this is the one place that you can stop us. And if you stop us here, you're sadly mistaken, because here's the thing, you've pushed us too far. You, you've told 139,456 petition signers, plus you know over a half million, over 600,000 Texas supporters that are registered on our site, plus 76% of Republican voters who want to not only vote on this, but vote yes on it. You've told them that they don't matter. And if you think they're going to take it lying down, you are sadly mistaken. And by the time this thing is all over with, we will break the back of the political establishment. Whether it is this cycle, whether it's next cycle, whatever it's going to be, Texans will get a vote on Texan. Not only are we going to get a vote on Texan in the in the primary at some point, right? Not only are we fighting for that, but we will not rest until Texans. Get a statewide vote, an in-or-out vote on independence. And heaven help any of you that stand between the people and their right of self-government. And I don't care who that upsets. I don't care if your, your poster boy gets in the crosshairs. If you don't want to get hit by the train, don't stand on the tracks. Take it to the bank. So we are going to be filing news will be, uh, we'll be coming out uh, very soon. As soon as it's done, obviously it will not be a secret. Maybe you will hear about it by the time this podcast drops. I, I don't know. Uh, but we have to be very careful. We have to do everything right. There is a short-term and a long-term strategy at play here, and we have to be super careful. So all I'm asking you is be patient, right? We, you, you waited on the RPT for two weeks, you know, you can wait on us for a couple of days, but it's happening. Uh, and, and I got to tell you, um, it, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to shock a lot of people. So that being said, uh, here's where we need your help, right? I mean, it, it's, it's not a fight. If it's just me doing it, I'd do it. I mean, look, I, I've told you before I'd charge the gates of hell with a squirt pistol if necessary. Right. But you've got to be a part of this. You have got To be a part of making this happen, lawyers cost money, which is why I need you to go right now to defendtexit.com and make a contribution. I need you to do that. Uh, I need you to, if you're watching this and you've never registered your support for the TNM, I need you to do it because we go through this process and it goes on the ballot. We need to know who our voters are because who knows what shenanigans they may pull. So we need. To know who you are, we need you to connect with us. Go register your support now. Go to the website at tnm.me and register your support. It costs you absolutely goose egg to do that. Okay. If you're already a supporter, go become a member. Go to slash join. Uh, but importantly, volunteer because we need an army of volunteers to make this happen. Look, we're because of them dragging their feet, which, by the way, is a violation of statute, right? Uh, Let's just say ronaldo has got his own timely issues that he's about to have to deal with. But understand that we're on short schedule. The primary is March the 5th. It goes on the ballot. We have to go out and get the word out. We need you pummeling social media. We need you talking to your neighbors. We need you to talk to your coworkers. We need you to do all these things because we are going to have to mobilize in short order one of the most massive get-out-the-vote operations that we possibly can. It's just the way it is. And while we can mobilize what we've got, it's always great to have all hands on deck. This is a general call. This is for every single solitary one of you who says you believe in Texas. Now is your time to put your time and your sweat and your money where your mouth is. If all you're going to do is vote for it, cool. Love it. But understand that if we don't do the work ahead of time, they will do everything they can to keep it from happening. So, this is the call. Some of you said, you just, when you issue the call, I'll be there. I just did it. It's done. Consider it done. It's all hands on deck. Because it's not just about getting the voters out to vote for Texas. We have got candidates every single solitary day pledging, signing the Texas First Pledge. At taketexasback.com, that they will uphold your right to not only vote on this, but support the the will of the voters. And so you need to go to taketexasback.com. If you're a candidate, go sign the pledge at whatever level, state house to the schoolhouse, it doesn't matter. But it's important that you go find those candidates at taketexasback.com that you can vote for and get out and mobilize. Because let's be honest. If we leave it up to the political establishment, they will take a crap all over your right of self-government, and we cannot abide that. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're asking you to do. We're we're pursuing litigation. We're continuing to organize. We're continuing to hit these folks out here, and we're going to fight for every one of you, but you got to fight for it too. It's not enough for us to fight for you. You got to help fight for yourself. And I told you all the ways that you can do it. So that is, friends, the breakdown. That is the ridiculousness of the political establishment. This is literally all they've got. They've got nothing. They've got no arguments against Texit. They've got no arguments uh, uh, why you shouldn't vote for it. Nothing legitimate. They will always grasp at straws. And we will always have the intellectual, the spiritual, and the moral high ground and we are going to win. And so with that, my friends, that is a wrap for Texas News this week. I want to thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to seeing you again with more Texas News and hopefully some great news about this petition.